At the end of every year, leaders and visionaries speculate on what trends and changes will unfold in the year to come. In 2022, what were the greatest spiritual challenges and how did we deal with them? Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 49, as we discuss the most common spiritual challenges of 2022 and ask ourselves, how'd we do? That's a broad term when we say spiritual challenge. What exactly are you talking about? (laughs) Well, you're right there. It is a truly broad term when you say spiritual challenge. So uh, the more I dug into it, the more we got to dial it down some. And uh, so here's where I am with this. We'll start with kind of a definition. We're talking about, in the spiritual sense, Mm -hmm. things that uh, you're faced with the situation and it is potentially a destructive obstacle on your spiritual walk, Mm -hmm. or it's an opportunity for growth, and it could go either way. So it is a challenge of opportunity or obstacle. And that's in the context of following Jesus, right? Yeah, and and let's even add this, even more than just following Jesus, that it's the biblical, balanced, balanced biblical view of of who Jesus is. In the well, that makes it clearer, but it's, it's still, still a, very broad. Yes, yeah, yes. and uh, I agree. As a matter of fact, as I was uh, trying to figure out how to uh, tame this behemoth, uh, <laughs> where where I came down to was actually dividing in categories, and uh, the categories really came down to this: is that we have spiritual challenges collectively. Right. You know, as as a church and as individuals, and mm-hmm. they are not usually quite the same thing. And even beyond that, in uh, if we talk just the collective sense, you have the church global right. and the church local, and those tend to be somewhat different too. So we're looking through all those categories to try and uh, tame this question. <laughs> well, I can see that. The issues we face as individuals in Midwest America aren't the common challenges for the world as a whole. Yeah, really. And and um, uh, let's say that uh, as we're doing this, we're going to try and start with the largest and work our way down to the smallest of this. <laughs> okay, then starting with the global picture, what were the greatest spiritual challenges? Well, and, and you know, we've got to keep this in mind. Unless you travel abroad, you kind of miss this is here we are, we're in a, a um, first world Western nation, nice. and we really live in kind of a bubble here. The, yeah. the rest of the world isn't like our life here. Yeah. And in the true global picture, I would say the greatest challenges that is faced out there is persecution and oppression. Mm. And um, often that it is not just, it's acute or extreme to the point where uh, there are a lot of martyrs out there. Hmm. Well, Christianity Today released statistics of the most dangerous places to be a Christian, mm-hmm. and there's been a few changes in 2022, and here, here they are in order of danger. Right. Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Eritrea. Eritrea? Eritrea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, and India. Yeah, and the danger here, as they look at when you say the most dangerous place, isn't just violence, although that's top on the list. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact, how are you treated uh, by 
political pressure or cultural bias or a number of other things. And so when you look at it that way, some places have unique statistics. For instance, four out of five martyrs are in Nigeria worldwide. Hmm. Uh, on the other hand, three out of five church attacks are uh, done in China. So. Wow. Well, one change has been that Afghanistan has overtaken North Korea as the most dangerous place to be. Yeah, and uh, no doubt in that the uh, Taliban is is uh, cracking down. And, and of course, uh, one thing making the news in a big way, too, is in this crackdown, not only on other faiths, but uh, on women, the, the a suspension of, of women's rights. Right. I so. mean, when your education ends at grade six, I mean, that's going to mean a the death of a lot of your dreams. And it's amazing how many applications there are for that one truth, the wages of sin or death. Yeah, death. yeah, the wages of sin is death. And, and it's just <laughs> one more way, yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it isn't just uh, the violence aimed specifically at Christianity. It's uh, the plague of war in general. Um, World Population Review and other stats group uh, list the following wars are going on at this very moment. There's civil wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, Libya, the Congo, the Republic of Central Africa. There's the ongoing Kurdish-Turkey uh, conflict, uh, mm -hmm. Armenia, and there is a drug war waging on in Mexico. So there's a lot of violence going on all over the world. And I think maybe, I don't know if I listed in there, of course, the Ukraine. So, yeah, right. Yeah. And the deprivation that comes along with war is just unimaginable. I mean, we don't, we haven't known it in our lifetime. Right. And that's obviously going to affect a person's faith. Yeah, I mean, how can it not, uh, mm -hmm. living in that type of uh, violence? Uh, and even at this moment, so I, like I say, being in a collectively, we're in a little bit of a bubble here, mm. much of humanity is embroiled in this uh, level of war going on. Adrian Rogers Ministry shares an article entitled, Are You Prepared for Persecution? Now, we're, we're going to run through a brief outline of that, and um, I'll read the bullet points and let you explain them, but here, just as a kind of a disclaimer as we go into this, is uh, he's talking about uh, the idea of persecution as it, as is going to continue in our own uh, culture and time. But uh, it's a great look at what's actually going on all over the world right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. And as they break down, they, they start with the reasons why... Uh, believers are persecuted. And number one is the life we show. If you live a righteous life, people will persecute you because you're different. Yep. Uh, number two is the lies we suffer. The world doesn't play fair and the devil doesn't fight fair, that's for sure. And how did the world crucify Jesus? By lying about him. Mm -hmm. And then three, we're persecuted because of the Lord we serve. There's a Jesus the world hates because he came to rip the mask off of sin. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and he goes on in the article to say this is what persecution is like. And when he's saying this according to scripture, mm -hmm. uh, persecution is like this. One is a personal insult. They were even mocking Jesus when he was on the cross. Right. Uh, the second thing to expect, physical intimidation. More people have lost their lives for Jesus in this century than in all prior centuries since his birth. 
right. combined. And, and uh, you know, when you think of this, uh, I, I'm wondering if, because there was no question in, in the uh, 20th century, there were way more, without any contest, there were more mm. martyr, martyrdoms in the 20th century than the rest of uh, history combined. But yeah. now we're in the 21st century, and if we have more martyrs in the first few decades, uh, that's pretty sobering. Yeah. So besides physical intimidation, of course, goes right along with it, social injustice. For example, in California, the ACLU said that teaching monogamous marriage as an American value is an unconstitutional establishment of religious doctrine in public schools. Mm -hmm. If you teach that biblical that biblical marriage is a traditional American value. If you simply say there's a fixed standard of right and wrong, the world says you're violating the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, which is an interesting uh, interpretation. Mm. Uh, and the article concludes with how we are called to react to persecution. Mm. So uh, he has three R's here. So we'll start <laughs> R number one, reign with Jesus in life. Remember who you are. This world isn't your home. You live on a different level than those who live by the world's standards. All right. And second is rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecute, persecuted the prophets who were before you, Matthew 5, 12. Uh, and three is release love. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, Matthew 5, 44. Yeah, and like I said earlier, even though it's it's talking uh, mainly about our own country and the article, it is a great expose on the suffering that is going on all over the world right now. Okay, let's switch from the global picture to a more local picture in our culture and community. Yeah, and in this, um, a, a guru in leadership and uh, church and, and uh, a leading pastor for many years, Kerry Newhoff, and he um, he has um, an article that, like we said, we decided we would look at things said in the beginning of 2022 and see how much of it actually panned out. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the articles that he wrote in the beginning of uh, 2022 uh, entitled, 12 Disruptive Church Trends That Will Rule 2022, and then in brackets, in the post-pandemic era. So, Well, let's see what projection we feel has actually come to pass in 2022. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the thing is, uh, the reason we were doing it this way is that if it's true, if these things actually uh, did unfold in 2022, if they became a reality, then there's every chance in the world they'll continue as a reality into the, the coming year. They're just, now they're proven. Mm -hmm. uh, so what did we find that uh, Kerry Newhoff speculated at the beginning of 2022? Well, the first insight was demise of the old model of church. He points out that the average church attendance from 2000 to 2020 has been steadily declining. It's dropped from a national average of 137 on a given Sunday to 65. All right, and the states uh, surveys show that the current approach to church hasn't been effective for uh, actually decades. Mm. And he points out that COVID-19 didn't really cause this decline, it just highlighted it. But I appreciate how he follows up the statement. He says, 
Please hear what I'm saying. The death of an approach to church doesn't equal the death of the church. Changing the approach is the best way to begin to see new growth. Yeah, that's a great line. Mm. The uh, death of an approach doesn't mean the death of the church. Yes, the uh, church. The church, mm-hmm. yeah. And that leads us really into a second insight, which was growing churches will innovate beyond weekend services. Mm. He isn't saying that Sunday services aren't vital to the church. It's just that they can't be the only thing. Mm. He points out that church must do much more outside of Sunday and outside the building, Mm -hmm. in the community. That's where people are actually living. They are, and in a more and more unchurched world, that just makes sense. Right. And and the thing is that that does take some truly innovative thinking to do that. Mm -hmm. And and quite frankly, uh, it seems any respected church leader— uh, a forecaster, you want to, whatever you want to call them, uh, are all saying the same thing yeah. that um, the churches that refuse to start looking outside their proverbial box are going to find themselves simply fading away. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three is the vision for the future will become clearer. Newhoff explains. Ironically, as you know, the vision for the future has always been there all along because the vision of the church doesn't change that much. The core of the church's vision is always evangelism and discipleship. It's just that with all the noise, panic, confusion, and hardship of the past two years, it's been exceedingly hard to focus on anything else. Uh, Yeah. That plays out right. (laughs) Yeah, we've been, you know, that been Mm. uh, kind of uh, very much distracted in that way. And uh, he kind of uh, points out, too, is that these experimental church leaders, those who are going to try new approaches to fit fit the cultural situation. Once again, as we said, the message does not change. Mm-hmm. Just the approach is that uh, they can expect a lot of flack and criticism. There's nothing like trying to change things <laughs> to... to uh, it's, hard. Trick, yeah. it's hard. Change is hard. <laughs> and, but he says, you know, you can see how it's going to go, of, that uh, those, those uh, same individuals who are seen as, you know, quote, terrible leaders and trying these things, if they happen to hit upon approach that really works, then they're going to become the, the great heroes that everybody <laughs> follows. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, number four claim is attendance will normalize and you'll have a new church. Yeah, and, and this is one I had to look at a, a little bit. So I'll let you explain from his standpoint. Okay, he says that it's evident by now that many of the people... Churches lost during COVID-19 just aren't coming back. But that's not all bad because there's there are new people who have joined, many because they found your church family online, and maybe they even brought a friend. <laughs> right, and, and to be honest, we've gone through a version of this ourselves. Mm-hmm. We started off with our one puny little camera online when <laughs> COVID yeah. first hit. Uh, found um, some people found us online and, and said, hey, I think I can help them out there. And mm. the next thing we had some new people uh, joining in yeah. uh, and um, uh, thinking in slightly different ways. So uh, it's true. It, it was a new normal. And there are people that they disappeared with COVID. And quite frankly, we haven't seen them again. Yeah. So. If you're out there, come back. Come back. Number five is the brain drain will become acute. Uh, and you know, of all the insights that Newhoff shares here, this is this one really did strike home with me. <laughs> uh, when we began, uh, and this is why it's a number of years back now, but when we began surveying Christian colleges for people to come and candidate with our, our mentoring program, we call the Protege 
the project. Mm -hmm. um, there was something I was quite surprised when I was going to these Christian schools is very, very few people were actually train, actually training for ministry. They were yeah. preparing for all kinds of things. And, uh, and, and so there's was a, you know, a real glut in the number of people going into ministry. All right. Here's a summary of what Newhoff says in his article. Sadly, the last few years have seen many pastors step back, not just from their current church, but also from vocational ministry. The pandemic only intensified that. Not only is this creating a staffing shortage with more churches vying for fewer leaders, but the quality of candidates is also proving a bit of a challenge. Perhaps renewal and revival will increase intensity in the sense of calling the next generation, but we're not seeing the fruits of that just yet. The future church will require leaders with great hearts and leaders with great minds. Yeah, you know, as we looked at... Um uh, you read earlier, as we looked at the bubble of, you know, persecution, different things, uh, things are only going to get harder for presenting the gospel, and yeah. it's going to take even higher caliber people. Mm -hmm. <coughs> but um, we're finding um, uh, there's not a big parade of people coming into the ministry, so there is a glut yeah, going it's on. It's kind of scary. It is a challenge. I'm glad he's in control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number six in this is in the, our list uh, is something else that struck me, uh, really. Uh, and uh, first, because the way it's worded, I think we'll have to, to kind of discuss our way through it. But he says number six in the challenges is the exit of uninvested investors. Hmm. And then in brackets, a recalibration in the whole giving concept. Okay. Um, he explains that there's a strange trend where many churches have declined in attendance but remained steady in financial support in some cases even growing. His theory is that very few new members are actually tithing properly. The financial stability is coming from the support of remaining older members and endowments from the faithful who have passed away. Right, and, and you know, that's a great thing. What a wonderful legacy to leave uh, something for a church to continue on. Mm -hmm. But the church has to be careful of the illusion that they're doing okay. Yeah. Um, this really isn't the church taking care of itself. What it were it is is it is the faithful that it's just coasting on that old faithfulness, right. and that's going to run out yeah. at some time. Yeah. Uh, if new new members aren't uh, trained, if they don't uh, understand the investment into the church, then there's no question. Then the, the church, as we know it anyway, will collapse. It'll only be a question of when. Right. So, I mean, uh, tithing, uh, investing in the church is, is part of what makes it work. Right. Yeah. The final challenge is an in-person meeting versus virtual meeting. Right. I found this in, intriguing because he started talking about uh, the whole move uh, for the community, uh, the online community and the church into what he called Web3. Three. I didn't know we were past Web One and Web two. <laughs> Web Two. What's Web Three? <laughs> That's the way I was listening to this article. I was like, "What? Uh, what's Web One and Two? Uh, but once he started explaining it uh, a little bit, um, it made sense anyway. Okay. 
Well, so tell us what Web3 is all okay, about. Okay, and this is a layman's terms. The one person you wouldn't ask is, is our IT guy, Clint, because <laughs> he'd get really specific and none of us would understand. So here's how a dummy would explain this type of thing. Okay, Web3 uh, for dummies. <laughs> all right, Web3 for dummies. Well, let's go back uh, in time from the 90s until the early 2000s. What the internet was what we called Web1 or Web1.0 now. And it was basically a fairly static system that we had there. There really wasn't a ton of interaction mm. that was going on. And so if you were a business or a church, you know, you would set up your website. It was strictly like a storefront. It was just rather static. There's what you're all about. Uh, here's our times, there's our phone number, you know, that kind of thing. Right. <coughs> when we moved to Web 2, uh, which would be in the, in, the, in the later part of, you know, 2006, you know, in, in moving in there, more and more up until now, really, uh, we moved into uh, a lot of um, um, user-generated content. It wasn't just for the so elite. So we're in Web 2 now. We're in Web 2 now. And uh, user-generated uh, content, as in that's what we're sitting here doing at this very moment, mm -hmm. uh, it moved into highly interactive, as in Facebook. Um, you put on your user content and people comment on it. You know, it's right. that level. The thing about uh, Web 2.0 is it's very centralized, as in the big companies call the whole shots. And, you know, even those you are... You mean three, Web 3. No, Web 2. Oh. Web 2 is very centralized. Oh, uh, okay. you, we know it because everybody's careful. You watch what you say because if you were to violate terms, you get thrown off of, of one of the main um, uh, venues. It's very hard to get any word out. Oh, I see. Okay. So we're very centralized. Now, Web3 moves in the opposite direction, and it all started with uh, what's called blockchain technology. Um, and without getting into that, it all started with cryptocurrency is, is ways to validate um, the data. It was a whole different way of validating data. So it started with cryptocurrency, but um, the big thing that affects all of us in this way, in a practical sense, is it becomes decentralized. And and how that decentralizing from the big boys, how that'll work out, it'll change everything um, in ways we can't even imagine. Because <laughs> you can imagine in 2000, if you were to try and explain how Facebook and um, YouTube, uh, you know, live streaming was going to change the church in 2020. Hmm. Uh, it, it would have been very, very hard to explain to the to the common person how that would happen. Mm -hmm. Well, Web3, as it moves into more of the blockchain technology, is going to do the same thing. Hmm. But it will, one of the things, like we say, is the reversal of centralizing to a decentralized Internet. And, and uh, to be honest, I'm, who knows how that's all going to affect us. Hmm. Okay, well, one thing's for sure, the new normal of churches having a digital footprint is here to stay. Mm -hmm. um, it's yep. just a case of what that'll evolve into. <laughs> uh, yeah, the days of, of not being on the Internet uh, pretty much are, uh, for for the mainstream church anyways, pretty much a, a finished deal. Yeah. And I think Newhoff was straight uh, spot on with something else. He talks about more of the hybrid approach with churches and he speculated we'd see uh, more online churches uh, using um, 
the online side of it for invitation or general teaching, uh, and that we would give up on the idea that we were ever replacing in-person church. Not going to happen. It's just the use. So you have uh, more generalized teaching, online invitation going on, and then in-person actually becomes Mm -hmm. more personal because by the time somebody is coming into a building for human interaction, they want human interaction. Uh, So it'll affect in, in ways like uh, better remember your visitors' names, uh, the ways that you reach out. Bottom line, you're treating them like a person because they came in person. Right. So you'll see this hybrid thing. And, and quite honestly, uh, that's something that we found ourselves flowing into uh, in quite a natural fashion. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Well, so how did we do in 2022 with our challenge? challenge. Horrible. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no. We didn't. As a matter of fact, I, I think I would say we're, we're on the mend mm-hmm. uh, from 2020 on. And a number of the speculations globally, uh, community wise, have been pretty well spot on. And we can say this, at least we have people out there who saw what was coming. They gave pretty good advice. And so at least uh, we see ourselves heading in the right direction. As long as we just keep going in that right direction. (laughs) Keep going in the right, and and all of us keep going in the right Right. direction. We've been talking collectively, so yes, we're talking about collectively moving in the right direction. So, Well, this is a great place to break for this episode, and because this subject is rather involved, we wanted to do it in two parts. So we have our regular WordCast tonight, and our follow-up will be tomorrow. Right, and usually we do a follow-up on Sunday, but with special speaking with Elder Steve on Sunday, and we wanted to get all of this in, so that's why we have a follow-up Sunday tomorrow. Uh, And, of course, people can join us anytime talking about that online invitation uh, and all the information kind of consolidated at caningcommunity.org. Right. And, of course, you're invited to join us in person at Caning Community Church any Sunday morning. We close this episode with our first song pick of 2022. Mm-hmm. Here's the Cane and Praise team singing Undone. Be blessed and enjoy. Bye.
You can watch Word for the Week at CanaanCommunity.org. You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.